Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Pastor Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining us again as we study the Word of God. And today, we're going to continue the series of Grace Foundations and our subject, Who Am I in Christ? And again, dealing with identity and who we are and who God says we are. For it's more important that I know what who God says I am and what the Word says I am than what the culture or what... Uh, teachers or former spouses or former friends or uh, whoever spoke negative things in my life, it's more I now have to erase that. I have to have a data dump so that now I can replace those things that were spoken over me and confess the word of God. For confession leads us not only into salvation as it does in Romans uh, 10 verse 8, but it also we must learn to put confessions into our heart. And con when I'm talking about confession into our heart, I'm talking about the confessing, confessing what God has said about us. So let's begin today in the book of uh, book of James. And before we begin, I want to give you a couple ways to reach us. First, you can reach out by email at pastoreric523 at gmail.com. That's pastoreric523 at gmail.com. Or you can reach us by by uh, snail mail or by by a uh, written letter at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box forty four seventy three, Marietta, Georgia three zero zero six one. That's Pastor Eric, Post Office Box four four seven three, Marietta, Georgia three zero zero six one. So we're going to start today in the book of James, and as we start again in James, James now begin to talk about uh, we look into the word to find out who we are. Again, we want to erase those things that were spoken over us and erase those things that were repeated and, and said that you were a loser. You will never be nothing. You will never finish nothing. You will never accomplish anything. And say what God said. So let's go now to James, first chapter, 22nd verse. And James says, be ye doers of the words, word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Though all of us at one point or another, you've looked at into the mirror. Some of us have looked at it several times a day to make sure, you know, your hair's in place or your makeup's in place or you know, your, your hair's combed, nothing in caught between your teeth because you want your appearance to be uh, uh, on point. But what Paul is saying here to, uh, well, what James is saying here, he, what he's saying that people who read the word and don't do it or don't apply it or don't confess it over themselves, they are like a man who looks into the mirror, sees his natural features, and they can walk away from it and forget what manner of man he was, what his face looks like. It's like you looked into the mirror, walk outside, someone shows you a picture of what, what you were in that mirror and you ask the question, who is that? And I believe that's where many uh, New Testament believers are, that we let, we forget who we are. We forget God's promises. The scripture says, all the promises of God are yes and amen. 
God made a, a, a covenant with Jesus when he sent him into the earth. And what Jesus did was he paid for every sin, every uh, thing that we would do in, the, in our flesh. When he died on the cross, uh, the book of John speaks about how that he died for the whole world, the whole world, past, present, and future, everybody that, uh, uh, that would die. Jesus died for their sin. And I'm talking about those who died after the cross, those who now their, their sins are paid for. And those who, when, when, when we recognize, you know, even if you're not a believer today, Jesus paid for your, paid for your sins. He paid for them. It's the gift that God gave. And that's what we must know now that we must be the receiver of the gift that God has given us. So if we go on and read now. In the 25th verse of the first chapter of James, he says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. And the perfect law of liberty is the word of God. The perfect law of liberty is, is, is where Jesus and, and all the gospel writers, they tell us who we are. The whole Bible points to Christ. The whole Bible talks, uh, speaks of him being the Messiah. Uh, and Moses talked of him being Shiloh. Uh, he said that when Shiloh comes, in in the book of Isaiah, it talks about the uh, the, the 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 king, the, uh, the 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 Messiah, the one who would come, who would give his life for all men. David talked about him and spoke of him in Psalms, uh, the twenty second chapter, how that the life that he would live and the sacrificial life that he would live, and then he goes on to talk about the good shepherd in the twenty third chapter, how that the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. Whenever we read the word, we got to apply what the word is saying. And when I read that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, then I should confess over myself that Jesus is my shepherd. I shall never be in lack. I shall never be in confusion. If I lack wisdom, I ask of him, as James says. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. God liberally means freely. God will freely give you. Jesus spoke of what uh, of the Holy Spirit in St. John 14, how he says that the spirit of truth, the comforter, think of all the things that God has prepared for you and me. And he did these things in preparation, knowing that this is what we shall need as we tread over Satan in our new and, 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 and a life that's been given in with authority. But we have to learn about our authority, which God has given us. So let's just finish this 21st verse, and then we're going to go further. But whoso looketh into the law, into the perfect law of liberty, and continue therein, he being not a forgiver hero, but doers of the work, this man shall be blessed in all in his deeds. And what God is talking about with the works is not only must we must we read the word, must we apply the word, but the scripture also says faith without works is dead. When we hear the word, we also must uh, walk in it by the grace of God, knowing that, as Paul said, that, that uh, you know, our glory and my infirmities, that the, grace of, that the grace of God, the power of God, that I will be strengthened by it. For Jesus said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul says, for I would not glory in my infirmities because Christ is in me. Whatever I lack, whatever I'm short, whatever... Uh, 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 a thing may have come upon me because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. 
He's resident in you as being a New Testament believer. God not only did, he, he dwelt with the children of Israel in the wilderness. He led them by cloud by day and fire by night. But with us, he's in us. He is in it. Christ, the, the spirit of God, not a spirit, but the spirit of God dwells in every believer. And when you can realize that if God's in me, if God's for me, then why should I be afraid of the defeated Satan, the defeated enemy? Jesus called him the Lord of the flies. Can, do you, can you, did you understand what I just said? You know, we have the picture of Satan with this 50-foot-tall dragon with a pitchfork in his hand and, you know, and all muscle rippling and, and, and ready to crush us at any moment. But Jesus says he is the Lord of the flies, meaning that's the, only, that's the only kingdom he's fit to rule. Because scripture says that Jesus went into Satan's backyard and beat him on his own court and crushed his head and paraded him up and down the portals of hell, showing all of his followers, this is what I did to your man. You followed him, but I have defeated him. And now I'm taking back everything that that uh, that 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 Adam gave up. I now take back and give it to those believers who will come after me. So this is who we are. We are more than conquerors. That's what the Father said. So if God says I'm a conqueror, I must confess, Lord, I'm I'll never be defeated because of who is in me. When I lean on Him, when I trust on Him, when it looks like it's over. I shall stand on the word of God. So let's go now. Let's go a little further. Let's go to uh, 1 Peter 5 and 8. We're just going to read a little verse of scripture here. Uh, 1 Peter 5, no, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, first, ver first chapter, 8th verse. 2 Peter, I'm sorry if I can get this right. 2 Peter, 1st chapter, 8th verse. I still said it wrong, okay? It's 1 Peter 5 and 8. I said it the first time. I'm sorry. 1 Peter 5 and 8. And it reads, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking who he may devour. And see, this is the lie that the enemy will tell all of, tell all of us, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. You're already defeated. I'm going to take your children. I'm going to destroy your marriage. I'm, you're going to be fired. I'm going to take this job from you. When the Bible clearly says in Proverbs, the 28th chapter, he said that the righteous, she said the wicked fleeth, but the righteous is bold as a lion. Why am I bold as a lion? Why should you be bold as a lion? Because it's he who is in us. The, the king is in us. The king is in you. Don't take down, don't, don't take back, don't step back from what God has said over you. He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. The expected end for God that God has for all of us is a triumphant one. Where you finish your course, where you are married, where you are uh, have that job where you are succeeding, where you not only are a blessing that God has blessed you, but you are a blessing. You bless your, your family. You bless those around you. And you also are a blessing. 
God, whenever God blesses, he gives more, more and extra. He blesses you for what you need, and then he blesses you so you can be a blessing to others. That's what he promised Abraham in, Gen in uh, Genesis 12 chapter. He said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to cause you to be a blessing. And this is what God wants for us. In these last days, Christ wants us to be a blessing so the world can see us and say, surely God is with this woman. Surely God is with this man because they, he wants them to see from he, many of them who saw where you were and see where you are now. And when they can't connect the dots, well, they can't say, wait a minute, we started together. You were in the street, I was in the street. You were out smoking and drinking and doing whatever, everything that you were bad enough to do. What happened? That's when you can give God glory and say, the Lord, I have a relationship now. Not just I just go to church. Not just, uh, you know, I found religion. We don't, in, 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 in the body of Christ, we don't find religion. God finds us. And we, when we allow him to walk in us, and when we allow him to use us so that we will be a willing instrument, and when we are conformed to the image of Christ, that's when God will truly pour out his blessing because he can trust you. I believe God will get it to you if he can get it through you. If God can get his blessings through you, if he can put it in your hand and you won't keep it all. I didn't say you wouldn't keep any. I said you wouldn't keep it all. What did he, what did he do for Abraham when Abraham was blessed and Abraham met the priest of God, Melchizedek? He gave a tithe of all that he had, which was the 10%. That's all God is at. Who would, he owns, God owns everything. And then he gives to you. And why does he give to you? Why does he want you to give back to him? Because it requires a seed. If you want to move forward in God, if you want to be blessed, if you want to uh, multiply, if you want to uh, have things in this life, and we all want things, God just doesn't want things to have you. And when we do this and we plant the seed because the seed will produce harvest after harvest after harvest. And whenever you get something in your hand, you're willing to give of it as you are instructed by God. That's why we don't have to live under pressure to give. We don't have to be uh, live being a, being a church where uh, uh, that, that all it is about money, 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 money. Yes, churches need money to survive. The churches need tithes and offering to survive. And any church that's feeding you and, and counseling you and, and, and where, you know, they're taking care of your children and children's church, they're, they're counseling and preaching and building you up and you see yourself growing, you should be a giver to that church. You should be a giver there because they are giving to you. But in most, many of our churches, you know, they've left the, the, the true teaching of what Christ called us to, to teach and they suffer because they have to play all these games and with money and, and do all these things. And people are discouraged because they see nothing. God does not want a church where only a certain group is blessed. But he wants to bless and he does bless and is blessing all of his children. And it's going to take all of us from the, from the pulpit to the pew, from the front door to the back door, side doors. He wants his people blessed so we can be a light to this world, which is going into utter darkness because they are trying everything. 
and everything will fail, is failing, and shall fail. Because if it's not built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, it is going to crumble. Jesus says it like this. If a house is built upon sand, when the wind blows, when the rains come, that house is going to fall. But that house that is built on a rock and that foundation being Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, when that house is built upon Christ, it shall stand forever. So let's read on now. Let's go. Let's go a little further. Um, now we're going to go get, go to Hosea again. A brief scripture here in the Old Testament, where Hosea was was speaking to the people of God, and God was telling them about as they suffered, as they forgotten Him. He pulled this little blurb out. I'm pulling this little blurb out of uh, Hosea fourth chapter six verse where He says, "My people are destroyed for a for the lack of knowledge." He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He didn't say for lack of money. He didn't say for lack of, of, of uh, you know, of, because they didn't fast and pray or because they didn't go to church every Sunday or because they didn't have perfect attendance or, or any other thing that you could think of. It's because they don't have knowledge of who he is and who they are. We must remember and, and, and take possession of, of our identity. Don't let people call you things that you're not. Don't answer to who don't answer to a name that God didn't put on you. God didn't put fearful. He didn't put poor. He didn't put poverty. God did not put broken. He didn't put uh divorcee. He didn't put widower. If you want to get married, get married again. If you uh, get married to a godly man or a godly woman. But God did not put all those uh, uh labels on us. For the, for the life will put a label on you. It'll call you broken. It'll call you depressed. It'll call you with, 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 with a cancer victim, an alcoholic. They'll put all these labels on you. But when you know who you are in Christ, you can say, no, that's who I used to be. I am an overcomer. I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am the seed of Abraham. I am the called out one. I am who God says I am. And I'm going to I'm going to possess the kingdom. I'm going to do those things what the Father has called for me to do, and I will not fail as long as I rest in him. That's where we must be in him. In him knowing that there is no failure in God. There is no lack in him. There is no sickness in him. Yes, I know sickness will attack any of us. And every one of us, it will come. But that doesn't mean it has to stay. Failure will come. At one point or another, we all will miss the mark. But it doesn't mean that we have to stay down. It doesn't mean that we have to stay uh, uh, in the dirt. But get up, dust yourself off, repent of, of, your, of your failures or wherever you missed it, and continue on in the body of Christ. Because the same God that forgave you when you walk into the kingdom of God is the same God that's here for you now. The verse of scripture says, as you have received Christ, so walk you in him. How did we receive Jesus? We received him by faith. We received him when we heard the word of God, the word of truth. We said, you know, there's got to be something better than this. And, and, and the spirit of God ushers you into the kingdom, birth you into the kingdom, births a new spirit in you. 
Well, that's the same way you must continue in God. You have to, we have to stay in faith. Well, how do we stay in faith, preacher? We stay in faith by remembering who we are. How to remember who we are, who I am? By reading the word, by looking into the word to see what did he say about me? That I not be a man or a woman who forgets who they are. That I forget my identity. I for, I, it's like you're losing your license. You can't remember your name. But when we are in Christ and we get into his word and meditate on it and confess it over ourselves, that I am the righteousness of God. I'm the blessed of God. By his stripe, I was healed. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, he healed me. So I walk in divine healing. I speak to cancer and say, cancer, die in the name of Jesus. Because in his name, he said, I'll give you all power over, I've given you all power over all the powers of the enemy. Not some of them. God didn't just bless us so that to be saved. Being saved and yes, and secure for eternity is a good place to be. It's the best place to be. But while we on this earth, if you go back and again, look up that word, sozo is a Greek word, Greek word. You discover that in that word, the definitions of it is salvation, is healing, is deliverance, is prosperity. All of these things are found in sozo or salvation. It all came in the package. Uh, uh, Psalms 103 and, and 1 through 3, Psalms 103, 1 through 3 says, Bless the Lord on my soul. Bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all of his benefits. For he forgives me of all of my iniquities and he healeth me of all of my diseases. Not some. And you go on down to, uh, I believe it's 107 and 20 where he says, He sent his word and healed them. God sent his word for me. For you, he sent his word so that in, in times when you have need of it, rather than going to the uh, pharmacy or going to your medicine cabinet or getting getting 17 pills. And, you know, I've, I've been with people and we prayed with people, my wife and I, Daniel and I, we prayed for them. And one uh, a lady had 26, 27 pills she had to take every day. I, we said, how can you, how can you, uh, uh, keep them separate. How can you know what to take and when to take and the doses to take? 27. But God worked a mighty work in her life. We've seen it over and over again. I've seen it for myself in healing and, and when I came in, in, in prosperity, when I came to this state, I had $125. No place to stay. No job. And God made a way for me. It didn't happen overnight. I had to go through some things to get to uh, uh, to get a job, to get an apartment, to you know, step by step. The Lord blessed, but He kept sending His word. He kept encouraging me. I'm not saying it's gonna take you a year and a half, but what I am saying is that we all must recognize who we are, and through that, through that uh, uh, stand of faith, continue to say, "I trust God. I trust God." Father, I know what you said. And see, you have, we have to know that we know that we know. And how do we know that we know that we know? Because we find ourselves in the scripture. Let's go now to uh, the book of uh, uh, Colossians. Colossians, the, uh, Colossians, the second chapter. And we're going to read what Colossians says about, about us. So as you therefore have received Christ the Lord, 
So walk ye in him. Maybe we read that a few minutes ago, quoted it. It says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul is telling the Colossian church, he says, be rooted and built up. How? By my faith. Faith in what? And what we were taught, the word of God, the scriptures. I, not only do I, I hear it preached, I, I read it, and I, then I meditate on it, and then I take it and make it my own. I can take this seventh verse, uh, sixth and seventh verse, and say within myself, I receive Jesus Christ by faith. I walk in him by faith. I am rooted in him and shall not be pulled up. I'm built up in him and I shall not be torn, uh, torn down. I'm established in my faith and I will not be blown about by every wind and doctrine. I have, as God has taught me, so will I give thanks and praise unto him because he is God. That's what I mean by taking it and making it personal. And see, when you mix up personal, you form a relationship with the word. So when somebody was the was, was, the, was the poke you or tap you, the word of God comes out. They just, that, that, that word comes out that will speak to the situation, that will speak to the problem. Because now you know that the word is not only just being heard, but it's being, it's being digested. It's being received. It's being received. And let's go on down to the eighth verse. It says, beware lest any man spoil you through vain, through philosophies and vain deceit. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So much of the body of Christ have had faith, healing, deliverance, uh, prosperity has been preached out. Many denominations believe in, 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 in poverty. They believe that, you know, if you have any type of money, if you, you know, if you seek to better yourselves, if, you know, if you want a bigger house or a bigger car. And again, it's not about the bigger house and the bigger car. It's about the bigger house or the bigger car consuming you. The gospel writer says, Godly, uh, uh, gain is not godliness, but godliness is great gain. So what, I, what, so what the scripture is saying is not only uh, um, uh, we should first seek the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's the kingdom of heaven? Romans 14, 7 says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. These are the things that must be foundational in us. The righteousness, meaning I am the righteousness of God. The joy of which is my strength. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many people have we heard of that have, that have uh, committed suicide because they had no peace? Their mind was at war with itself. They could not rest. They, they were restless. They saw no hope for tomorrow, no hope, no reason to live. And because they don't, they have lived a fruitless and empty life. But it's not so in Christ. Let's round it up. Let's round it up now as we finish up today. Um, let's go down to the, uh, the eighth verse. It says, be well lest any man spoil you through vain uh, philosophies and vain deceit. But the ninth verse says, for in him dwelleth and in Christ the fullness of the, God of the Godhead bodily. And then it says in the 10th verse, and ye are complete in him. 
Why is it? Why is he saying that? Because Christ is in me and I am in him. So when we say that Christ is seated in, the, in, in heaven, Ephesians said that we are seated together in heavenly places. Meaning, when you sit down, when the king sit down, that means everything's finished. When Jesus went and sat down at the right hand of the Father, that means there's no more work. And that's what he's saying for us to do. Rest in me. The work has already been done. I've already done it. Believe me for your healing. Believe me for your prosperity. Believe me for your deliverance. Believe me for that job. Believe me for that son. Believe me for that daughter. Believe me for uh, uh, that for your marriage recovery. Believe me in your in your period of divorce. Believe me in your place of widowhood, a widowerhood. Know that I'm with you. I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. Trust me. And when you know who you are in Christ, you know that you are a jewel. You are priceless. One drop of Jesus' blood is priceless. But yet he paid it all for us. I pray that you receive something out of this message today. And as we close out this scripture, or close out this day rather, with, with, a, with a prayer. Father, we just thank you for all those who have joined us. We thank you, Father, for those who are, Lord, who are lost in sin, God. And what I mean by that, Lord, they don't know you. They don't know your son, Lord. They don't have a relationship with you. I pray that they will repeat after me, Father, I come to you now. For I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the third day. And I believe he rose again. And in him, Lord, he has forgiven me of all of my sin. I now receive this gift that he has given me. And I thank you, Lord, that I am now part of the family of God. Teach me, Lord, your way. Teach me, Lord, how to walk in you. And I pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, for I desire to walk in power, walk in strength, walk in the divine wisdom that you have for me, so that I may know the Christ that now lives in me. I pray again, that in all things that you go about this week, let Christ be seen in you so that others may give God glory for the great things that he has done. I pray you join us again on Journeys in Grace.